Captain's Log, Stardate 74512.2 A visitor from Starfleet Command is joining me at the station regarding a wrath echoing through the cosmos. I cannot help but think of what the 21st century author Bob Goff has said at this time and that we won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated with purpose. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to classic stories, new and old. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and my next guest needs no introduction. I feel like I'm David Letterman right now. But seriously, my, my next guest needs no introduction. The ever-talented, um, the, the incredibly brilliant uh, friend of mine that has been on this show multiple times that runs a fantastic podcast of her own, I'm talking about the one, the only, Commander Lisa. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. It's so good to have you back um, talking Trek again. Yes, thank you, Chase. And I'll try to live up to that introduction. That's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate that. Um, And yeah, it's good to be back talking Star Trek. I'm always ready to talk Trek. And I I like what we're going to discuss today for sure. Oh, oh yes, we are definitely going to to get into this. This can be, potentially be like a turf war. What we're going to be talking about today, and uh, and yeah. based on the um, the name of this uh, podcast episode, some people are like, "What the heck is Wrath of Darkness?" And um, it's it's <laughs> just like it's just me trying to be creative as we talk about Wrath of Khan and Star Trek Into Darkness. So uh, both of them are essentially Star Trek Two. Um, one's Star Trek Two, and one is Star Trek Two Two. It's like it's a ballerina or something. I don't know. But uh, anyway, well, we'll get we'll get to that a little bit later on. But uh, what the heck has been going on with you? It's um, it's been a little while since you and I kind of just sat down um, in front of some microphones and had a conversation. Yeah, it has been a roller coaster. Twenty twenty was crazy. I mean, you know, obviously there's the pandemic, but um, now I can say in retrospect that I lost my job last year. Mm. Nick also lost his job. Then we both got new jobs that we actually like better (laughs) and are doing well at those jobs. And then we bought a house. Just a lot of stuff that I did not think was going to happen in the span of one year. That's a wild ride for sure. It's crazy. Like, I mean... It probably, like, I didn't advertise it a ton just because I worried that people were like, earlier this year, Lisa said she wasn't doing well, and now she's moving into a house. But (laughs) truly, like, that's what happened. Um, Before all this, uh, last year we had made plans when our lease was up to move into a house. Um, And so we were looking at that, and then, you know, we both lost our job, so we're like, oh, probably not a good idea. Sure. <laughs> and then we both got jobs, and then we decided when we were looking for a house, uh, when you compare the rent to a down payment, mm-hmm. it actually made more sense to buy a house rather than 
try to find a house and rent yeah. it. So we were at that point of, you know, if we're gonna go to a two bedroom or more, um, we had to make a big decision. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can speak from experience on that too. Um, when, uh, when, when my wife and I, we, um, after, after I graduated uh, with my master's degree, we moved to Richardson and the, um, now the, the apartments that we were staying in were pretty doggone nice. Um, but I mean, they were, what were they like 11, 12, maybe close to $1,300 for a one bedroom. That's like what I was paying. Yeah. And, it, and if you go to two bedrooms, I mean, it's, it's the, it's more than a mortgage. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and I understand why it's happening. It's because so many people are moving to Texas, so many giant companies and people don't want to spend the time to like build a house and plan out. They, they need to right. move somewhere now. And right. so that's driving the market up really high. Um, so yeah. And I mean, we had help. I always admit that to everybody. We had some family help too. Um, otherwise we probably would have had to rent um, yeah. still, but you know, we got lucky and sorry, I feel like I cut off your story. Keep no, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean like that, that was the thing. Like, you know, we, we were in Richardson and it was, it was ridiculous and we needed help. Um, there towards the end um, and like rent of course I mean rent goes up every single time you're in an apartment whether you do a, a three six nine or or 12 month lease it's gonna go up and um, I mean I'm gonna go in the way back machine because it does kind of connect in a way to you know what we're talking about tonight and that is when I was living in in Midland um, and you know Michelle and I we had been married for gosh um, year and a half by the time that we had moved and um, our lease was going to be up, I think, end of May, early June. Um, that's just when they were for us. And we were paying for a two-bedroom in 2013 for a two-bedroom, like, I don't know what it was, seven, eight hundred-something square foot apartment. Uh, it was like 900-something bucks. So that was pretty good maybe close to a thousand bucks pretty good for 2013 for an apartment but i found out like you know hey here's your new lease by the way we're going to go up to market value which was more than double so we're talking like almost two thousand dollars for that tiny little apartment i'm like you got to be freaking kidding me i mean this is like the same town where it's cheaper just to pay rent on a, a motel than it is to actually have an apartment I mean, because of like oil field and everything, it was it was bad, man. It was it was horrible. So I, I feel yeah. you. And I have friends and family that you know they do rent still a house, but they pay like twenty five hundred a month, and it's like, ugh. I mean, I I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't afford it. Yeah. And you know, granted, like, you know, what we're paying now is more than what it would have been five years ago, also for the mortgage. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where it's like things are not going to go in the other direction either. So yeah, it was kind of like we're at a crossroads like, and you know, after so many months in the space that we were in, we realized that we had kind of outgrown it. Um, yeah. So yeah, all that, all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been a roller coaster for sure. And, you know, definitely just want to be sensitive to the fact that that's not everyone's story. I have so many friends that, that are still looking for work um, and are struggling with, delaying plans and mm-hmm. you know that's awful and, and I'm sensitive to that so I try not to be like oh look at me look at all the great stuff that's happening to me <laughs> um, but yeah <laughs> sure and 
Um, I, I have seen some of the work that you've done on your on your house, and it, it, lo- it looks beautiful, like what you're doing and stuff. Like I feel yeah. like I, I I mean. I kind of want to like get like a little bit of what you got because like having <laughs> having like a little mini bar in your your kitchen. I mean that's that's pretty dope. It was a game changer. Well, what gave us the ideas? We were watching like how to um, remodel your kitchen or like it, it was a video that said something like five things I would have done different or five things you should do. And one advice that we got, I think it was from somebody that was like flipping a house or something. Okay. But they said that uh, when if you're going to build cabinets, then if you use one of the spaces for a cooler, you can buy a really cheap one uh, or mini fridge, um, you know, like on Amazon for like two or three hundred dollars. And then the space there is like, I don't know, it's like worth like, I don't know, a hundred or hundred fifty dollars, something like that. Anyway, it ends up being almost the same cost to have that built in as to have a cabinet there. Hmm. So it, it actually is more economical than you would think to have it. And then obviously it doesn't add that much energy because it's small sure. and they're cheap. So if they break, you could just get another like $200 one. Right. Um, so that's kind of why we did that. Otherwise we wouldn't have even thought of that, but we just gotcha. happened to see that video and we're like, hey, that's a problem that we have. We fill it up with sodas and all kinds of stuff. and you sure. know, our fridge is like 80% liquid. So we, you know, why don't we move that to another area? So yeah, yeah it's been great. We really enjoy it. <laughs> nice. I mean, it looks beautiful. I mean, I know you're not, you know, quite done yet. I mean, that's just the joy of being a, a homeowner is, you know, your work is never done with, you know, making it the way that you want it to be, you know, with, with color palettes and, you know, other accoutrements basically oh, around yeah. the house. We have plans probably far in the future at this point, <laughs> but <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll definitely keep working on it, but you know, it's an, it's an older home. Um, it was built in like 1970, Mm. but we kind of like that about it and it's pretty small, you know, it's only like 1500 square feet, but I mean, to us, it's like a mansion because (laughs) we were in 800 square feet before. So that's twice, that's twice what you were in. So that's fantastic. You know, speaking of, of home improvement stuff, um, we've, just, just wait till, till you run into this, Lisa, because um, we've been having issues with our um, the toilet in the master bathroom, and Ugh. and it would either like constantly like run or like randomly run, or you'd have to like jiggle the handle to make it like stop. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Like it would be like it like randomly like wake us up at like two or three in the morning just because it wants to decide to, you know, sing a song to us at that time for whatever reason. So um, I had the pleasure of going to Ace Hardware, picking up like a universal kit, whatever they're called. And um, that's what I was doing today. I, um, oh, this, fun. Yeah, this this <laughs> morning um, I didn't have any clients until um, the early afternoon. So... Um, yeah, after I took my daughter to daycare, I went to the bathroom and, you know, it's only supposed to take you maybe an hour and <clears throat> almost three hours later, um, because I'm an idiot, um, I finally got it done. But, uh, yeah, that was not, not, not fun, but the toilet You're is, is good me. now. <laughs> we, um, we recently also had to clear the, uh, outdoor trap, I guess you call it. Okay. Um, basically one day our shower was not draining. 
we were like, that's a problem. So we called these guys to come out <laughs> and they put, yeah, we're like, this isn't good. And like, you know, we had just moved in and like, I could, I'm not going to tell you everything that's happened since we've moved in. Cause it's a sure. lot, but, um, this particular time they came out and put like a hose down there, kind of like a snake, but it was like a water hose mm-hmm. and they blew out whatever was clogging it. And they said it was probably cause we had this big dead tree in the backyard that we had removed. The roots might've interfered with the pipes or it just sat for too long without people being here and using the, you know, plumbing system. But I mean, we've had all kinds of surprises like that. Um, we paid Fantastic. someone to do that. We could have done it ourselves, but we watched the videos and you know nick in particular had a fear of trying to clear the pipes and sewage coming out at him oh, <laughs> so he was like yeah. i'm not willing to put myself in that position so yeah um they you know came out and, and they fixed it and they said you know if if that ever happens to you um you know they clear it out and you're probably good for six months to a year or they may never come out again it may never happen again hmm. um, so yeah, that was a fun, exciting thing that happened. Oh, the joys of joys of home ownership, everyone. Yeah. Again, <laughs> that's just one story. It could be its own podcast how many problems came up while we've been here. But you know, we knew what we weren't getting like a brand new mansion or anything. So right. we understand. Right. I'll I'll say this, you know, we're talking about like homes and realizing, you know, that the older homes aren't gonna be perfect. I mean, they're fixer uppers for crying out loud. And, um, we had so much advice being thrown at us. Um, when we were talking yeah, about that's like, another thing. <laughs> when, when we were like being, um, when we were thinking about you know, like buying a house somewhere and I wanted to buy a house in the neighborhood that I grew up in, um, out here on my side of the Metroplex. And we, we were like this close and I'm like sticking my fingers together. Y'all know the sign. And, um, <laughs> To, to getting this one and we found out like there were just so many issues like all the carpet was going to need to be pulled up um, there was a, it was a salt water pool so like it hadn't been taken care of in years so there was like issues with the lines and it would have been a money pit is really what it would have been and it would have been beyond our skill and we didn't want that frustration and um, so we, we found um, a DR Horton home that had, you know the owners had had it for like a year and a half, two years, and they were ready to move on because they, they're Gucci, you know, they're they're bougie and everything, and they work for Lockheed, so they're rolling in the dough, and uh, so yeah, they sold their house, they fixed it up, you know, brand, fixed up a brand new house, and we bought it from them, and there we go. That's good. That's great. Yeah, there you definitely have to put a limit on how many issues a place has for sure. Right. I mean, there's some things that are going to be normal here in texas there's foundation problems Mm -hmm. you know different things like that but there's a limit and if you have to do too much work on it and you don't have the money to do that which Mm -hmm. i certainly do not um i understand that you have to go with something that that makes sense right (laughs) right and uh yeah like that house i was telling you about it was i think michelle liked it the most because like on all the the drawers and the cupboards and everything in the kitchen they had um it was like more of like a native american like aesthetic but um the knobs they look like the hogwarts crest and that's (laughs) and that's what really drew it for her and you're like we can buy those (laughs) yeah yeah she was like yeah we can totally get this i mean it's it's hogwarts i'm like 
really? I mean, we can replace knobs anywhere we go, but okay. That is that is advice that my realtor gave me to <laughs> She's like, do not be won over necessarily by a surface level remodels. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're like, oh, I love the uh, the cabinets or the, the paint or something like <laughs> right. that because it's like you could do that and it's not that expensive. And sometimes they'll mask like bigger problems with stuff like right. that. Like, oh, we painted everything and you find right. out it needs a new roof or, you know, whatever. Right. <laughs> did you ever watch uh, Growing Pains by chance? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I love Growing Pains and I can't find that anywhere to like stream, let alone like DVDs of it. Like, I want to rewatch that show so stinking bad. Like, I love the theme song. I love. I just love the show. I used to watch that all the freaking time on rerun because I mean I wasn't really old enough to watch it in its original run. But hmm. the the uh, if you remember the kitchen in the Seaver family's house, like with like had like that um, greenhouse kind of thing by the back door. If you know what I'm talking about, um, in their kitchen. So I- I can't picture the exact kitchen, but I remember in, like houses that were born, like built sort of in the 80s and in certain parts of the country, it, it felt like they had those kind of like sunrooms almost. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. It had yeah. like the, it had like a, like a glass. Yeah, like a glass. Yeah, basically like a glorified sunroof, right? Like, or. Yeah. Um, and it would be like, um, uh, not dome shaped, but like. Uh, it'd be kind of like curved. a curved dome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I so, do remember seeing that a lot in in older stuff. Well, this so final thing, and then I guess we'll we'll be done unless we have more house stories. But that's <laughs> whatever. Turns um, into this old house, yeah. <laughs> another great show. Yeah, uh, probably. I think you could still watch that on YouTube. Yeah, and and Bob, v, I think that's Bob Vila's um, website name too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that the house that I was talking about with the Hogwarts knobs. Um, that's that's what the kitchen looked like too. Like part of it, like, look, it totally reminded me of the Seaver house. And I'm like, this <laughs> is so retro. cool. They should put Growing Pains on the the Disney uh, Disney Plus. It, that feels like something that it would go on. So yeah, it, what, back in the day, like where I used to watch uh, Growing Pains was on Disney. Um, like all the reruns I would watch of it would be on Disney um, after school. So I'd I'd come home from school. Um, I throw it on. I watched it, and I remember getting so excited when Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio showed up, oh, and I was yeah. like, "I'm like, this is <laughs> this is so cool!" Like, you know, he he just showed up on Titanic, and they're casting him to be on it now. And like, my time look, my timelines were all sorts of screwed up with that, but I just thought it was so stinking cool because like I was watching it like around the time that Titanic was was coming into theaters. So, mm, I think I'm. Because I'm a little older than you, I think I right. was watching it when it was new. <laughs> but um, yeah, I um, I did like that show, and it does feel like it's a forgotten show for some reason. Like it's not like um, some of those other ones, like Family Ties, or I don't know, where they have a little bit more notoriety. And I'm not mm-hmm. really sure why that is. I mean, Family Ties had Michael J. Fox, but I don't know. Well, I mean, like, Alan Thicke. I mean, Alan Thicke is a phenomenal oh, yeah. actor, you know, and he was he was the patriarch. Uh, I mean, Kirk Cameron. I mean, he was a teen heartthrob in the the eighties and early nineties. Was Aladdin? Uh, Kirk? Wasn't that him? No, no. Um, the guy that played Steve on Full House was Aladdin. Oh. DJ's boyfriend. 
He was the voice of Aladdin. Oh, okay. I have always thought it was the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it also reminds me of, like, there was the Lawrence Brothers had a show, too. Where Brotherly all, Love? Yes, yeah. I feel like we've talked about that before, but... Yeah, uh, Brotherly Love, that was a good show too. Like there was, there's a bunch of them like that, that kind of, they were popular, they just weren't as popular, I think. Right. And so, you know, as we get further away from that time, I guess it's not, unless it was super duper popular, like Full House. Right. You, you don't get quite the same. Uh, you're not, it's probably not going to be rebooted. <laughs> no, but like the thing about Growing Pains is they had like a lot, they had like two maybe three television reunion movies i want to say oh they did i didn't yeah. even know that <laughs> yeah I, I i watched one of them i think on like youtube like, i think it was like someone like recorded it and like uploaded it and got away with it or something i don't know but interesting okay but um yeah it's like maggie the the mom runs for i think senate or something like that or the house of representatives <laughs> Um, against her boss because like she anyways at the end of the show she goes and like I think they sell and they move or do something for her to go into politics and journalism or something I don't know what it is but (laughs) it's been a minute but yeah that show was on from 85 to 92 uh, Growing Pains so yeah I I would have been really little so I probably did only see reruns yeah I mean I was I was born in 87 so yeah I mean even at the end I would have been five I would have been almost five when the show yeah, went off the air. Yeah, 1992, I would have been eight. So I don't think I was watching it then. <laughs> probably not. So yeah, yay, reruns. <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show, though, I probably thought it was a new show when they were reruns. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was just too little. Well, speaking of um, of old stuff, um, we got we got these two Star Trek things. And, yes. you know, you and I, we've we've talked, you know, some of our origin stories before mm-hmm. of how we kind of got into Trek, um, you know, and, and you like fought tooth and nail like your your friends and and stuff back in the day uh, with you know the Trek that you enjoyed. And we've talked about that before. Yes, <laughs> I was not the most popular. Right. Uh, well, really in any sphere, at the, <laughs> but definitely not among Star Trek fans. Sure. Now. With with uh, Wrath of Khan and Into Darkness, you know, one came out early '80s, one came out in the mid 2000s, really, uh, or not mid 2000s, but I mean, like after 2010. Yeah, yeah it was 2013. Yeah. Um, so maybe 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 what we can do is um, anything like any memorable experiences that maybe come to mind with um, or just or just like maybe a story of like how you might have um, engaged in Wrath of Khan and or um, Into Darkness at all. So Wrath of Khan I think is one of the best Star Trek movies like hands down it is one of my absolute favorites I've seen it countless times my earliest memory of it is um, my family watching it and seeing the ear part <laughs> of and course. crying um, when Chekhov and the other guy are being tortured. It was very graphic to me as a kid and my dad having to like explain to me like, they're, they're gonna be okay, but it I was unconsolable. I had to table it for another time. Um, but I've seen it many times since then and I love it. Uh, 
I got to see uh, Carlos Monteblan uh, in one of his like final appearances at a Star Trek convention. Okay. I believe it was in Pasadena, California at the Grand Slam, but it might have been here in Texas. I'm not sure which particular time it was, because but I saw him speak. Uh, by that time, he was very old and sick. He was in a wheelchair, but I heard him speak, and then he died not too long after that, and so that was kind of like one of the first... Like, all the big first celebrity deaths for me had to do with Star Trek, because all those actors were a lot older, and, you know, so that was kind of... That's one kind of sad mm. <laughs> memory I have of it. But also, I just really enjoy this movie quite a bit um, and was a really big fan. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, I saw in the theater. I really enjoyed uh, Star Trek in 2009 that J.J. Uh, Abrams had directed. I thought it was great. You know, they advertised as not your father's Star Trek or not your grandfather's sure. or whatever. I 50-50 on how I feel about that assessment. I do think that it went in a completely different direction from the next generation, which went a lot more serious. This reboot, you know, tried to really capture the energy of the original series, not even the movie, but like of the series. Um, and I think they did a good job with that, where everyone sort of echoes their parts, but doesn't eclipse them um, and doesn't copy them 100%. Um, and then I saw this movie and I remember it got extremely mixed reactions and I have to confess even myself that I have mixed reactions to this one as well. Um, okay. I think there's a few big things I would change about it, but it, you know, watching it again tonight, I'm reminded that it's not a bad movie and it's kind of sad that the con thing is so controversial that it kind of, yeah eclipses the whole film to where people can't even enjoy it it's like i get it i'm i mean he's not carlos Mazablan. i get that but it's also kind of sad because i think it actually was written well and everyone does a good job in it and it, it's kind of honestly tonight has made me rethink some of my stance on it <laughs> sure sure and and i want to get to that so let's let's you know make sure we don't deviate too far from that that idea about you know the divisiveness but also like maybe some of the redeeming qualities of it that we're kind of that you're kind of um touching on that you're alluding to in a way um so like like i've said before like my my tr my true trek awakening um happened in 2006 so like when i was in college and spike tv was um how i how i got into star trek and um i i happened upon all the vhs's of of all the the movies um i don't know if i got like all of them at like a garage sale or how i got all of them but i i ended up with um all 10 of of the vhs's um you know of you know motion picture through nemesis yeah. and um the two that i can remember watching the most out of which i'm surprised i haven't ruined the vhs um, was Wrath of Khan and, of course, First Contact. Um, and I, I remember just going and from like watching Motion Picture, which I know Motion Picture is like a favorite for people. And Motion Picture is growing on me slowly. It's slow. Um, I think it's like the most Star Trek of all the Star Trek movies um, out there. But, um, you know, going from one 
from Star Trek The Motion Picture to Wrath of Khan was almost like a breath of fresh air for me. And as I mean, for the franchise as well. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> exactly. I mean, like just the whole like in fact, like the trilogy that that it came, you know, like with two, three and four, like if we consider that like the Spock trilogy or or, you know, whatever name we want to assign to. I don't know if there's an official name. I should probably know that. But I mean, two, three and four, it's it's a trilogy. Let's let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, when I saw that, I was just like holy shnikes, this is awesome. And, like, it made me want to go back and watch, like, original series to know who this con dude is and why does he get his own movie, uh, so to speak. And so it was was a game changer for me. And it really, like, Wrath of Khan is the thing that really propelled me forward, Hmm. um, even more so with my love of Star Trek and diving deeper into Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, like we fast forward, you know, from 2006 where, you know, I'm, I'm really, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and and like (laughs) trying to learn everything that I can about Star Trek to, to now 2013. And, you know, I've been married to my wife for, you know, about a year and a half at this point. Um, you know, when into darkness comes out in May of 2013 and, um, you know, we had, like we were talking about earlier with our apartment in Midland, we were, um, I mean, I had been accepted to, um, to graduate school in Dallas and we were set, set to move in, um, really any day. And, uh, we had, we stayed with, um, my wife's parents and we purposely decided to move on May 15th, 2013. And the reason for that was so that we could get all our stuff um, into storage for, I think it was like two or three some odd weeks or whatever. Um, pull out the stuff that we wanted to keep, um, before in that, before we moved into our new apartment in Dallas. So we were staying with my in-laws in Fort Worth and we went to, um, what was it? It was still a United Artists Theater. I want to say, yeah. Um, United Artists Theater was a Fossil Creek off of um, I-35 there in Fort Worth, like you're going towards Alliance Airport. Can I and just say you have a really good memory? Like, I don't <laughs> not remember any of those details Well, <laughs> of where I was in 2013 or anything. <laughs> Probably Nick would know because he's better at stuff like that. He's always like, you don't remember that? And I'm like, not really. But anyway, just commending you on your detail. Well, but. thanks. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to the point eventually. So, no, you know, we we've we spent the whole day moving. I mean, it's like four and a half hours for crying out loud from Midland to, to Fort Worth. And we wanted to, like, relax. And Michelle was kind of getting into Star Trek like I like I was. Um, so she wanted to see the movie, too. So we went to the midnight release. So May 16th, 2013, we went to the midnight release oh, wow. of Into Darkness. And, you know, maybe like the first half, I'm like, yeah, man this is kind of cool, I guess. I mean, it's, it's different. It's like, I mean, it's, it's like 2009 in a way. Um, and then like the reveal comes and I'm like, Oh, yeah, that's probably, I mean, there's, I, I could, I feel like there's like maybe five key things that are missing in this one, uh, that the original has. Mm. And, yeah, that that's a big one. <laughs> the reveal. Yeah, there there's there's a lot of stuff 
Um, uh, I'm not gonna say a lot of stuff, but there, there's, there are some things that I'm just like, I don't, I don't think so, Tim, kind of thing. Yeah. You know, like, um, and, and, and we'll get to that um, eventually. But you know, the more I watch this, um, to, to your, to your credit, Lisa, the, the more that I can appreciate it, um, you know, as, as what it may might be doing for the Star Trek fandom. I mean, you know, for, for you, Deep Space Nine, that's that's your jam, man. I mean, you're you're gonna love it. You know, you're gonna love all of it. Um, mm-hmm. Even even the crappy episodes, you're still gonna love it. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, same thing for me with, um, you know, with Next Gen and Enterprise. Like, I'm still gonna love that stuff, even the crappy episodes. Um, and. You know, even though, you know, 2009 came around and Trek had been off for only four years. But, I mean, we got to remember that Trek had been on the air from 1987 to 2005, both in TV and movie continuously. And now it went away. It was it was nothing for four years. Nothing. Just cons. It feels like it died a slow death, too. Right. It had really fallen out of the pop culture consciousness uh, new fans were not being wanted. It almost felt like us Trekkies were holding on to like a dying franchise. <laughs> like it, right. it really felt like it was going nowhere. Right. Um, but to that, like 2009, like I used to, to uh, work in the language lab at the University of Michigan. And um, I mean, it was always in the evening. So I would bring like a DVD and I put it on and in the off chance that someone would come on and, you know, like, work on Rosetta Stone for like French, Spanish, whatever. Um, usually no one showed up. So I got paid to watch movies. It was kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> nice. So I, I would, I, I enjoyed 2009. Um, and I was like really looking yeah, forward. Too. I was really looking forward to, uh, you know, into darkness to see how it was going to push the story forward. And, um, and that's, and that's why we're here tonight because I think that um, into darkness does get a bad rap. Um, Beyond gets a bad rap too. Um, I like Beyond, and I'm probably in the minority with Beyond, but that's for a different podcast episode. Um, I think Beyond was the best of this, uh, like J.J. Abrams era. Sure. So I'm with you. I, I think it was the best movie out of the three. And um, I know Eric's listening to this, you know, as we're as we're talking about this, and. <laughs> And he's like probably screaming and getting mad and stuff, and that's okay. But I, 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 I love, I love Beyond. Um, yeah, I, I think Beyond's perfect. I really like it. I was hugely disappointed that it didn't do better, and it kind of killed the franchise. Yeah. I think between this one and that one, it, you know, it fizzled, fizzled out at least this version. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always hope, but it really hurt it. Right. So looking at. Um, I'm trying to see if my computer will work for me. So into darkness, if uh, looking at um, looking at IMDb, this movie has a 7.7 rating on IMDb. Not terrible. No, it's it's slightly above average, actually. And uh, way to describe this movie. Slightly, slightly above, above average. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's um, 32, so basically a third 
32.5%, so essentially a third of the ratings, uh, raters gave it an 8. Mm. So 13-some-odd um, percent gave it a 10, 18.5, um, a 9, and a 21.7 gave it a 7. And then the rest, it just goes down and down from there. So, um, yeah. So I think that's I think it's kind of interesting, and that does remind me of a little bit of a story. So um, uh, I'm going to go off on a, a side trail with this, but it does relate to this movie and the ratings. Um, I think it was like around 2015 ish um, when I was uh, volunteering at my church uh, with the youth department. There would be um, uh, I'm not going to name the city because I don't want this. I don't want them narrowed down, but the the <laughs> one of the, one of the, the local police departments would um, always assign like the same set of um, peace officers um, at our church, and um, I never really got along with this dude. Uh, I mean, I just I just didn't. I mean, he's he seemed like a nice guy, but we I don't know. He was just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And he, I was talking to some of the the youth about Star Trek. Um, and like, it was weird. Like I'm talking to teenagers about Star Trek and they're actually liking it. Um, <laughs> hey, whatever. And he inserts himself in cause he hears I'm talking about into darkness and I'm like kind of dogging into darkness and I'm saying like, it's such a ripoff of wrath of Khan and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, Oh, well really, you know, it wasn't a box office bomb because it was this, 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 and this. And he was just being like really, really rude. And um, so he was probably one of the people that gave it a 10. That's my point. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So now that I've spilled the beans and, and my initial reaction was, this is such a <laughs> ripoff. Let's talk about this movie. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what, when, when you, we, we, we can both agree that Wrath of Khan is, is an amazing Star Trek film. Um, based on like our own stories, you know, you with Ricardo Montalban and me just, you know, taking even deeper dive, uh, not a deeper diaper, a deeper dive (laughs) into Star Trek. Um, (laughs) With this movie, um, tell me a little bit about like your experience with it and maybe some of the stuff that worked for you with, with Into Darkness. Okay, yeah, Um, so what worked for me? I think there's a lot of emotional scenes that have a lot of weight and they do a good job with some of that. You know, it's super different from the original with, you know, Kirk losing the ship right away um, and Christopher Pike um, getting it back and then he has to, you know, get it back from him. in a really tragic way. Um, There's a lot of stuff like that that I enjoy about it. Um, And the relationship between Kirk and Spock, the relationship between Kirk and, you know, um, the doctor and Scotty, like all that stuff is working for me. Um, And it's, it's just, it's not really a bad plot. There's some good surprising moments and things like that. And it's just unfortunately, I think, still overshadowed by some of the places that it lacks in. Okay. I, I, I like the fact that um, 
I don't know if, if this makes any sense, but I think that the acting, um, they did a much better job in Into Darkness than they did in 2009, personally. I agree, yeah. I think that there is more emotional depth to the characters themselves in this one mm-hmm. than in the first one. And they really found their groove and who they are in these roles. And you can tell they're more comfortable in this movie, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With with um, everyone, for sure. And um, I, I like the fact that even if it is kind of brief, I mean, you still have, like, essentially the same cast, like, including, like, um, Pike, you know, even even being in it, like, kind of briefly. Right. Yeah. And he gets to do more in this one than in the first one. Mm-hmm. His death is, you know, again, I think one of the emotional high points in the movie. Right. And just... <clears throat> I think the the setup. Um, I think I think the maybe the first. Um, I don't know. There's like maybe like what four acts? Would you say maybe five acts in this movie? Yeah. I mean, I, I would see that. I would say that maybe like the first, like two. If we're going with like five acts, I'd say maybe the first three. Um, I think it starts off really, really strong. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think it's, it's a really strong, solid start for into darkness. Um, but then like, there's kind of like a misstep. There's like a little bit of like a trip that kind of takes place. And it, it has trouble kind of, uh, regaining that footing throughout the rest of the flick. I could totally see that. So, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think there's a few key things that the first one has that aren't in this one, and they hurt it, like, big time. Do you agree? Tell me more about that. What do you mean by that? One of these, I actually have to give credit to um, Michael Cross for bringing this up. Mm. Yeah, rest in peace. Um, He said this one time when we were talking about this movie, that... There's several, you know, nostalgic things that are happening in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, that are not happening here. And it's impossible to duplicate them with this franchise. Number one, in The Wrath of Khan, a giant story plot point is that Kirk is older now. And William Shatner didn't like that part of the script. He didn't want to address his age and he was encouraged by you know the director and everybody like this is a good thing you know and it's going to work out in the plot but that's a big part of the plot that he's aging mm-hmm. um that he, and you know what's unique about that is that the fan base has aged with him right um so they're experiencing something at a point in their life that kirk is also experiencing as fans and as people and the other thing about that is they're bringing back the very best villain from the show the same actor the same guy and so this is another nostalgic return that they can't do in the 2013 one in the 2013 one kirk is like 30 something right like he's young he's a new captain we don't have you know a 
long history with him. We yep. didn't grow up with him. So it's impossible to duplicate those two things. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, I mean, there's more, but yeah, so the, those two things make every emotional beat in the Wrath of Khan so different because now Kirk also has this history with Khan. I mean, he's truly his nemesis. You know, he's his biggest nemesis and he's returned in right. Star Trek Into Darkness. It's some guy they've never heard of, you know? Um, right. And then for whatever reason, because Carlos Monteblan was so big with his performance as Khan, to cast Benedict Cumberbatch makes like zero sense. Like Nick and I were saying maybe it should have been like Javier Bardem or somebody like that that can play like almost like a fantastical Bond like villain. Mm -hmm. um, and th yeah. That's another problem with the movie. Go ahead. That that was um those were like a lot of the comments that I'd be be reading, you know, even prepping for this show is um, like so many comparisons to to the Bond villain with um, Benedict's portrayal of it essentially and I, I didn't necessarily want to go there right away with um, like the, the Ricardo and Benedict um, comparison but um, this is kind of a snarky comment but it's also kind of serious at the same time too um, you know, we we, re if if you recall, and and for anyone that hasn't seen Star Trek two thousand nine, please go watch it so that this all will make a lot more sense. Um, and you know, of course, Into Darkness, like we're talking about right now too. But if you recall, in two thousand nine, the um, the the big you know supernova that caused all the issues and resetting timelines or parallel timelines, you know, things of that nature. Um, everything up to that point was intact um, on on either side, right? Like, so, you know, both in the um, 24th century, it was intact, and everything leading up to Kirk's birth was intact with this future timeline, basically. And there's a point to this. Yeah. Um. I say this with some sarcasm, but it's a genuine question. Like, how did we take, and I think I've said this to you before, Lisa, but how did we take um, someone with a, a Latin descent and turn them into a white British guy? Because, like, Khan, I mean, Khan was supposed to be... Um, you know, an, an augmented person. Like he was part of like the, the nineties um, eugenics war, you know, and like the whole botany right. bay and putting like cryo sleep and, you know, hi deep hibernation and wakes up in the time of Kirk. So, I mean, I, I, that, that was just kind of like a wish of mine. Like I wish we would have had someone that could have been closer to a body double of sorts T to, to your credit, like with what you're saying with Javier, um, instead of Benedict. Not that Benedict is not a, a fantastic actor. He is. I just don't think it was the right casting for for a con character. Yeah, I think there's a few reasons why they did it, and it just didn't work. You know, number one, we kind of talked about it already, but they made the biggest mistake 
of their lives. I don't know, not really of their lives. It's dramatic, but a big mistake by lying to the fans and saying yeah. it wasn't caught. Yeah, and, and that was the thing. Uh, like Before the movie came out, there was a lot of them saying, he's not in it, that's not who it is. Because people were like already guessing that from the trailer, just from the plot. Mm-hmm. And they told everyone no. And then, so you're watching the whole movie believing that they wouldn't lie to you because why would they do that? And then it is con. And so people are like, well, that's not even clever. You just lied. And it's the reason why in uh, The Force Awakens, they didn't lie about Luke because had they lied about Luke Skywalker being at the end of that one, they would have had the same backlash that they had in this one. It's like, just be honest. You know, if people figure it out, either don't answer them, but definitely don't lie. Because then, you know, I went into the movie thinking, oh yeah, it did seem like they were implying Khan, but that's not who it is. And all that does is like increase your disappointment, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Not 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 an angry that they lied to me, like how could they lie to me? But angry that they <laughs> lied to me because it feels cheap. Like you couldn't even come up with a good, you know, reveal. You had to lie because you weren't able to work that into the plot in a clever way, you know? Mm -hmm. And then also at that time when he's like, who are you? And he's like, Khan. I mean, he should have at that point been like, okay, where's (laughs) that? Because in the wrath of Khan, you know, when he's like, it's Khan. Oh, he's back. It's like a huge deal. But now it's like almost comical. It's like, I'm Khan. Okay. Good for you. We don't know who that is. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what? And yeah, I mean, I could go off on a tangent, I guess, about, you know, they should have had somebody that's Hispanic or Spanish-speaking, even just as an homage to uh, to the original actor, but that's not even my biggest problem with it. My biggest problem is just that it's not anywhere close to the same character, and it's right. almost like... It's almost like um, Abrams and his team didn't understand what people like so much about Khan. Because mm-hmm. they took everything that people liked about him out. And it's totally fine to have another version, but you can't take out the core of who that character is and call him the same name, you know? Like, right. why couldn't he just be a different name? And they could have been like, this was inspired by the Wrath of Khan or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like to call him the same name is bizarre because it's he's so dramatically different and you're right benedict is a wonderful actor he's great but let's be honest he's being benedict here he's not being gone um not his fault and Mm -hmm. but yeah it's like what are the key points that people liked about khan he was the biggest baddie from the original series oh yeah he's got this interesting completely different style of back thing from the rest of the characters he's like very mwahaha mustache twirly <laughs> and that's you know and like i said i said javier because he speaks spanish but also because he was literally a bond villain like mm-hmm. he's that kind of actor that can do that you know <laughs> that can deliver right. those kind of performances so yeah why would they not have someone like that uh, in this and you know Benedict was extremely hot around 2013 I mean that was so, like Sherlock was like at its height really yeah so I mean I get it and I mean he's awesome as Doctor Strange like he's a great actor it's just he's so far away from who God is it's just like why but again I feel guilty saying all this only because I, I still don't think it was a bad movie 
you know, know it's just that it this stuff hurts it big time yeah yeah and there there's there's some other stuff too um that just it, it it's it's miss it's missing the um it's missing like the special sauce like to to really maybe send it over the top in, in my opinion um mm-hmm. it's it's a slightly above average movie like we said or, or yeah slightly above average movie um yeah it's not bad it's just not the wrath of khan just like, the wrath of khan was great <laughs> you know just like nemesis okay so star trek 10 the last with the next generation crew there's a good story in there somewhere um i think but yes. but but nemesis is not my favorite i still watch it okay it's not my favorite but there's a good story in there somewhere just like i think there's a good story in into darkness and some people might argue yeah that story that you're looking for it's called wrath of khan and okay you're funny (laughs) (laughs) that's true i mean yeah it's like this was not a good thing for them to reboot this early on and maybe it's impossible to just because again you don't have that history of you know, growing up with these actors, growing up with that villain, and then he's back. Like it's like the the Joker coming back. Like you can't just insert that in the second movie uh, when there hasn't been like all this backstory. Or or maybe you can, and I just don't know how they would have done it. But yeah, it was just I get what they were trying to do because like in the first one, you know, they got rid of Vulcan. And it was like this big twist, and yet it felt like it worked. It was kind of like saying, you know, here's the new timeline. This is my Star Trek, but we're not going to erase the other one either. That's like a new, a different timeline. And I can get behind that. But in this one, it, and I even am fine with the Kirk and Spock switch. Okay. I'm actually okay with that part. And, Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that was, um, I, I don't know if I've ever groaned as loud as I have or rolled my eyes as hard <laughs> as I did when that happened. Like I, I came out of that in 2013. Uh, it still feels like fresh wound sometimes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I came out of that in 2013 and I was hot, man. I was, I was hot when, um, after seeing like how it all happened uh, with with Spock and I think I don't think Zachary Quinto is bad. I mean, he's he, again excellent actor. Uh, I mean, creepy as heck as Siler on Heroes for crying out loud. Uh, but it, it it just didn't feel like the. the, the reason like the reactor scene in Wrath of Khan is so gut-wrenching is because you have so much history with the characters. Yeah, back to that same point of... I mean, I think all the actors do an incredible job echoing back, and these strong echo backs in Beyond, I think, are why that that one works more. Um, But... I don't know in this version of these characters they're great friends but if you're honest with yourself they've only been around each other for a few years right like i would be extremely sad if somebody i met in two years and they died yeah that would be sad but 
to claim he's like his lifelong best friend at that point is not accurate. (laughs) Because an alternate older version of them told you that they were best friends. (laughs) Right. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, that feels very like almost X-Men. Like that's, (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, I, um, I think in a movie setting, you know, it's, it's different in the same way that, you know, movies are different from books. Um, this franchise is unique because, uh, again, people grew up with it. And so they feel like they know these characters in a way that's unique to most other franchises and most other movies. You know, Star Wars did a similar thing with the newer ones as well. And you can't really duplicate that. You know, you can't really, if you reboot it, you can't capture that same feeling because again, you don't have decades of being around these characters the same way. Um, And so I think in some ways, trying to put the storyline as the second movie is almost like trying to fast track their chemistry uh, between Kirk and Spock. And so I, I can see how like, you know, that's I think what you're getting at the problem with their relationship is that in the one hand you had so much time to get to know these characters literal years um, not just in the show but in real life you know because you saw them on TV for years um, but in these movies they're like okay just pretend like that's all there <laughs> already and sure. it's like you kind of can't do that especially since they're fast-tracked their relationship because even in this movie they haven't known each other as long as they did on the show. Um, right. You, it's at the beginning, and it kind of should stay at the beginning. Like, maybe if they had picked a plot point that was earlier on in the show, then I think that would have been fine. But to try to capture something that's like, okay, instead of them knowing each other for 20 years and then one of them dies, they know each other for a year. It's like, well, that's going to have different, you know, emotional weight and it's going to be different emotional weight for the audience because, again, it paralleled real life. So, yeah, I think I agree with that. I really like Zachary Quinto as Spock. I think, you know, I was nervous about this reboot. And I have to say that I think Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, uh, Carl Urban, Simon Pegg, um, you know, everybody really uh did such a good job like to where i wasn't like upset at their portrayals at all I and think... there was great oh go ahead go ahead good ahead. Oh, i was gonna say there's especially great chemistry between chris pine zachary quinto and uh carl urban i think that they captured that like you know spock kirk bones thing that happened in the show that everybody loved and is in the movies um, even more so, they kind of play it up even more in these films. Um, yeah. But I like that, and it really works for me. But still, again, like you're saying, they just haven't known each other that long. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and it's fine. Like, on the show, they meet each other, and you get to know them as the show goes on. That's fine. But, yeah, it's like they try to do a little bit of an emotional shortcut here. You kind of have to suspend your belief, like... Well, I'm going to pretend like even though they're in this timeline, that they're like the ones I grew up with. And I think that was hard for a lot of people. Yeah. The 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 trio, um, you know, like the, the trio was it has been 
central, essentially, to to uh, original Star Trek. You know, with with Shatner, with uh, DeForest Kelly and Leonard Nimoy um, as like their respective characters, and that is one thing that I will say I think has worked very very well with these movies, regardless of of how you you rate them what, what what any of you out there listening might think of them they i think they nail that relationship very well and if if anyone's going to be like best friends in this alternate timeline i see that being more um kirk and mccoy more so than kirk and spock like we see in the the regular timeline with mm, the, with the original cast that. I mean, like it, it, the, their their relationship just starts out so well. I think I, I, I like I like how how their relationship, their their friendship, right, um, develops in two thousand nine, and kind of how it continues even now into um, into darkness, and kind of even how it, in a way, kind of pays off and beyond with with Bones and and Kirk. Yeah. More than more than Spock and Kirk in this timeline. For sure. And I mean, come on, it's Carl Urban. I mean, Billy yeah. Butcher. <laughs> I mean, Amir. I mean, all these. He, he's like in every fandom, man. I mean, has he, he been really in Star is. Wars? Has he been in Star Wars? I don't think so. We need to get that dude on Star Wars so he's like yes. in on all of them, like dipping <laughs> his totally toe in everything. Mm-hmm. God almighty. God. Put him in Mandalorian. Make him like a one of the Mandalorians or something like that. Like, I mean, there's probably going to be a Mandalorian war in season three. I mean, just saying, mm. I'm just saying, <sighs> there's, there is one other kind of legacy character that we have not talked about. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, Carol. Is that Good name? old Carol Marcus. Carol Marcus, um, played by, the lovely Alice Eve here in 2009. Or, or in, sorry, in, um, in Darkness. Yeah. And what, what are your thoughts on on this kind of iteration of, of Carol Marcus in comparison to uh, the original that we saw in Wrath of Khan? Well, I don't know. I feel like she doesn't play as interesting of a part in the plot. Because in the original, she's like his old flame. In this one, they've just met. Right. And I get how she factors in, but there are times I'm almost... I mean, nothing against the actress. Like you said, she's beautiful. But I don't really think she's that important in the movie. Is that bad to say? <laughs> like, no. I'm kind of like... They, the only reason why she's there is because that character was in the original but then they didn't write the character to be as important as the original so it's like i don't mind her i mean she's not hurting the movie um but it feels like sometimes at points in the movie they're trying to work her in so hard and it's like yeah i don't know if we i don't know it just it seemed fine but it, it wasn't critical to the plot the way that i think they were trying to make her Right, I mean, with with the two Carols, I mean, like Alice Eve in 
in this one, I mean, her character is um, the daughter of an admiral, um, RoboCop. And, <laughs> um, yeah, she's the daughter of RoboCop, everyone. And, uh, <laughs> um, and stuff goes sideways real quick uh, with him um, and, and what he kind of has up his sleeve and, you know, what he's, he's planning and what he has planned. Um, and then we look at the original with uh, B.B. Besh, uh, I think I'm saying her, her name right, uh, who played the original Carol, and she's, you know, working with her son, also known as Kirk's son, right? Uh, to, you know, develop this terraforming thing called the Genesis device. Like, how can, let's create a whole new sustainable planet so we can, you know, deal with like maybe overpopulation with with hunger and you know other you know humanitarian issues and she's she's front and center with that um still an old flame of kirk but she's she's taking more of an active role um yeah in what's going on feels like they transform that character into literally her only job is she gets kidnapped by her dad (laughs) and is like a pawn at the end but in the original she had so much more to do and she was such a bigger part of the story Mm -hmm. so it's like people want to see that character again but i don't know that they necessarily want to see her just be like kidnapped and beamed over to another ship by her dad you know (laughs) that built that part i was like i don't know like you see her and you're like oh i know who that is you know something big's gonna happen with her and like she does try she's you know very smart and she's got insider details that they need but it just doesn't pay off at the end I don't think mm-hmm. and and I don't I don't want to get like hate tweets for this but um, I by the way I love Indiana Jones uh, when I was growing up I wanted to be Indiana Jones I want Indiana Jones to be elected president um, <laughs> I mean all that stuff like I I I loved Indiana Jones. Um, watching this um, and like talking about um, Alice Eve's Carol Marcus, um, particularly towards the end, she reminded me a little bit of Willie Scott from Temple of Doom. Just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know. Again, it's like, it's just not the same, you know? Um, and it's unfortunate because it's so cool that they got someone that even kind of looks like the original actress and they styled her sort of, I don't know. It, 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 it almost worked. It just didn't pay off in the end. <laughs> sure. Sure. And there's even that part, and this is another thing that, thing that people criticize. I didn't care that much, but like, there's that scene where she's like changing, and Kirk's like, "Whoa!" and she's like, "Turn around!" But it's like, what? Like, it just felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I don't mind it, but at the same time, it's like, was that like in retrospect of watching the movie, you're like, right. that's the most exciting thing that happens with her in the movie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like, oh no. Right. Um, Seeing her in her underwear is the most exciting thing. Yeah. Like, 
I'm sure she, in retrospect, is like, I didn't really like that part, you know? And again, like, it wouldn't be that bad. I don't mind if there's romantic scenes in movies, but it just felt so out of the blue, you know? Um, It's more forgivable when he's, like, with those two girls at the beginning. You're like, oh, he's a ladies' man or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But that part, you're like, oh, that was random. Is that to show how bold she is? Like, I don't know. And then they never get back to that. And yeah. it doesn't play into the movie as a plot point. So you're kind of like, I guess they just wanted to be like, look, she's sexy. And it's like, yeah, she is. But yeah, I don't know. Usually those kind of scenes, there's like some reason. <laughs> but um, right. I've noticed like reading the reviews, people like particularly didn't like that. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot of folks that have ripped that particular scene and also the Spock scene apart. Um, and then also kind of like a MacGuffin of sorts, I guess, with magic blood and torpedoes. Like, that's been oh, yeah. r- ripped apart pretty pretty crazy. And look, there's, there's enough um, angry nerd trolls out there. I really don't want to be one of them. Um, I mean, I can you me and anyone we can have an opinion and still like and like it or love it and still appreciate you know the art form of of you know movie making and stuff like that um but like yeah um when i when i was looking into um different aspects of of this film i don't remember how i got to it i i, I scout's honor I, I honestly don't know how I got to it um, but there was an article or an interview or something with Alice Eve about how she has like no cares to give about taking her clothes off um, in a movie at all like she's like I don't care you know whatever um, and like, like it's acting whatever like if that's what the role says fine yeah I get and, that and I don't know if she necessarily like seeks it out, but I mean, it is what it is with her wanting to do that sort of thing. So I mean, yeah, like if it makes sense to to strip down, whether it's full frontal, whether it's you know underwear and stuff like that. I mean, okay, whatever. Um, I think there's like there, there's like just like those unofficial things that you do or you don't do, like in certain franchises. And I think yeah. that, and I think like you get away with it a hundred percent, like with clothing being optional or, or degrees of, of clothing, like with a game of Thrones type of thing. I was just about to say with HBO, I never watch it and go, well, why is this happening? So superfluous. <laughs> like you just know it's HBO and you know what you're signing up for. And like, there's even shows like Westworld, you know, where there's kind of a lot of nudity, but it's not even sexual. Um, a lot of the time and again it plays into the plot though so you're like oh yeah like that would be silly if they were dramatic about that you know they're robots spoiler (laughs) um but and and it again it sort of plays into like how vulnerable they are and are they human or not like there's a lot of stuff that they're doing there with that and it is part of the plot but in this case the rest of the movie is not like that at all and there's only one scene <laughs> i think that's what hurts it you know if they had branded this as like hey this is part of this star trek 
but it's really not you know like there's it doesn't happen again in any of the other movies and and it when it happens in this one like you know like in, in the new star wars if ray was like suddenly in her underwear you'd be like whoa what's what movie is this you know like it feels a little like it's not meant right. to be in there and i'm reading like one of the reviews about this movie and they said it was a really well made waste of time no insight into the human condition of thinking necessary just eye candy and forgettable events and while I don't agree with all of that I know what they're talking about I mean when they say eye candy you automatically think of that scene Mm -hmm. where you're kind of like again it's like there's nothing like if you watch like a Bond film you would be like oh yeah this is a Bond girl you know (laughs) that's part of this but yeah Yeah. in this movie it felt like that part is like whoa what's what's going on here (laughs) right okay this is different (laughs) and that and that goes back to like kind of the formula that we were kind of talking about like certain things that you expect um whether outright or kind of you know beneath the surface and like with a bond movie you expect there to be a very attractive woman that's the arm candy of james bond that's just that's james bond uh movies Right, you. and they may, you know, modernize it, make her more interesting. Of course. But, you know, like sex, money, intrigue, like that's kind of built, baked into a spy movie. Because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm watching a spy movie. Uh, if you're watching a romance, you're like, I expect to see romance, you know. Um, and some sci-fi is more leaning towards things like that. But again, it's established. And I think as long as it's already part of the makeup of whatever you're doing it's okay but then when you, it feels like it's a little out of left field mm-hmm. people can kind of have a reaction where they're like well why did you put that in there then <laughs> like it, it's like again i wasn't offended but i was like i don't think i even noticed it the first time honestly that i watched it but this time i noticed it i was like huh right i forgot that that happened and then when yeah. i read a review about it i'm like yeah, I mean, it, it crossed my mind that it felt out of place. One thing I kind of want to maybe transition into is with with Into Darkness, I, I know this is like a Wrath of Khan and Into Darkness kind of um, episode, um, and we've been spending a lot of time on Into Darkness, and that's totally fine with me. Um, when this movie came out, again, 2013, um, we had you know, heard at that time fairly recently um, around the time this has come out, had come out that we were going to be getting like new Star Wars. And um, this was also, I believe, the same year that the uh, 50th anniversary of uh, Doctor Who was going to be coming out. And we were also going to be getting a new doctor. Um, at that time, the new doctor was going to be Peter Capaldi taking over from Matt Smith. And not that Capaldi was a bad doctor. I love Capaldi, by the way. Um, so there's there's been this thing in recent history that has kind of um, really, I think, I think more than any other genre if I can be so bold to, to say this, um, that subverting expectations has been a thing that has maybe been 
more prevalent in the sci-fi genre than any other one. What do, what do you think about that? Hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I guess the two big ones would be this and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my opinion on that is I'm okay with big swings occasionally. Um, sometimes they're a miss and I can deal with that. Um, but again, sometimes they're a miss. <laughs> so, you know, in both cases, I think we're seeing the after effects of when they're a miss. Um, I don't always agree that they're a miss, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do, I do think you're right. And it's like you don't necessarily want them to 100% beat for beat replay exactly what they did before. And I think subverting expectations for me works when it's part of the plot. Like they're saying, hey, this is about disappointment. This is about subverting your expectations in life. And that's going to happen in this movie. But I feel like in, in this one, they took it a little too far. Like in the first movie, getting rid of Vulcan again, fine. Um, that more that had a purpose. It was like saying this is rebooted, but now it's like, okay, well, are you just gonna change everything? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think you can take it too far. Is what I'm saying. I think I think these two movies, um, and and maybe this is this is a different way of looking at it. Like, look, you know, Wrath of Khan was, um, maybe not as much in your face like we might see today so to speak, with this subverting of expectations, but there was a lot of change that happened between Motion Picture and Wrath of Khan. Just like there was a lot of change between 2009 and Into Darkness. Hmm, that's true. And um, it just seems like this, like maybe, maybe 2013, I mean, not that subverting expectations is just isolated to our our day and age right i mean like it, it it happens all the freaking time but it just seems like it's becoming more and more of a popular thing to do from a creative standpoint um and that's a conversation for a different day but what what i'm kind of getting at is it, it may be like around this time is is the the time that this idea of let's subvert the the audience's expectations is like an ingredient that we see being used more and more from like this point forward with with movies and and television shows such yeah. as such as Star Wars and Doctor Who and pick any other franchise you want. Right. And the challenging part about that I think is that things do have to change you know i mean think about like from the original series to the next generation and how much backlash there was in the beginning with that um and yet it worked so i think every once in a while there is like a tonal shift in movies and film and i think that's just the nature of because things change in the real world they change in media but it could be that in these couple of instances and what this era, this era that you're talking about, just again, some missteps, you know, were made. They overestimated how much the audience was willing to change. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, even 
like you were saying with with original series and next generation um every every in, um new star trek thing movie or tv show um has has pretty much had that treatment um, yeah. especially like in in the era that we're in right now with discovery i mean that show is so stinking divisive it's not even funny um and and we just wrapped up season three of of discovery and there are some missteps in there um but i think it's a it's a pretty decent season in comparison to maybe the other two that have preceded it um not not fantastic not not a 10 out of 10 by any means but it's still good and the way that people felt about next gen is how we in in the 80s and 90s is how we feel about discovery right now right because discovery has the challenge of keeping up with episodic television that's something that didn't really exist in the 80s and 90s the same way um you know now you've got shows that by their nature they're a linear story and every single episode impacts the next episode um that's pretty different from what the original series was what the next generation was ds9 had more of a linear story and i think even voyager did a little bit but still it's not your alien of the week adventure show it's not that it's trying to compete with your game of thrones your you know stranger things it's like almost everything every show to keep the audience's attention has to have like some sort of cliffhanger at the end and you have to stay invested so that you'll keep watching it and that's how they treat all television now um and so i think it's hard for the star trek model to do that you know and so that's why i feel like there's mixed reactions to discovery and also um even Picard because it's like well this is not what I think of as Star Trek and it's not it's just not and I don't know that what we think of as Star Trek you know it'll work for us those of us that grew up with it but does it work for new fans I don't know you know so it's kind of it's just it's challenging i mean there's stuff like the mandalorian where it's sort of the best of both worlds where it feels very nostalgic and true to what star wars was and yet it is episodic so it's not like impossible but i think it is challenging right it's there's 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 a lot there's a lot that a lot of moving parts in in knowing what to do and they're in like the the taking a lot of a lot of those big swings like we've been talking about can be um, terrifying at times and um, I don't know I'd be very interested to see how things how we see these movies 10 15 years from now 20 years from now you know when maybe discovery discovery is you know they've they've wrapped you know they've done their series finale you know whenever that is um same thing like with i mean i don't know there's there's constantly like hot and cold rumors about uh doing a star trek 4 type of thing 
uh, 4.2, I yeah. should say. Um, I have to say, I think the studio really messed up with that. Um, you know, the biggest hurdle was Chris Pine asking for more money because he's a huge star now. And they were like, nope. And it's like, man, you just, I'm sorry. I don't think they can do it without him. <laughs> like, you know, right? I think he's earned it. And so I feel like by not meeting his expectations, that could potentially kill it. Well, but you're right. They do go back and forth a lot. And it's it's not just that, too. I mean, like, look at Chris Hemsworth. I mean, he he did like a little bit part as George Kirk in the 2009 film. And that was pre-Thor, pre-MC, mm-hmm. him being, you know, really in the MCU. And he's a big, 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 big star now. So he wants a lot of dough, too. And, I mean, paying a lot of dough for, you know, those two actors, I mean, that's a lot to shell out. You know, yeah, it's when, like, better be a good movie. And with the last two being kind of lukewarm, mm-hmm. I get their hesitation, but I just think either you do with them or you don't do it you know (laughs) like i mean can you imagine if they were like okay here's a different kirk like it was i don't know if that would work you know that'd be interesting to um bring in like william shatner into star trek 4 oh yeah he certainly (laughs) wants to be brought in (laughs) as we've heard from him many times yeah he's he's so done he's so done (laughs) um maybe maybe one like kind of final thought related to this um you you have like the old guard which we might fall into the old guard potentially um and like the the new folks like the people that are kind of coming in um to star trek where you know 2009 onward post 2005 basically is their star trek and you know they love it with a passion and good for them i mean I, i say that genuinely i say that sincerely um I think, you know, the the stuff that we're kind of talking about, kind of talking around uh, with Wrath of Khan and Into Darkness, with um, original series, um, you know, 1966 to 2005 versus post-2005, um, it, it has to do, I think, with safety, right? Like, I mean, we have an attachment to these properties, and mm-hmm. we know what we know, and um, I'm, it's kind of happening. I'm sorry, but like my counselor hat's kind of coming on. But like from attach, like an attachment theory perspective, like when you are separated from your attachment figure, it um, it goes that you know you experience anxiety, essentially. Um, not not like the generalized anxiety, but you feel very anxious whenever you're separate from them. Like when you you try out and test um, limits of sorts and um, sorry my cord was doing something weird um, and, and when you don't have it like you're, you're unsure and you, you just you don't feel safe and I think that's I think a case could be made that that's kind of where the fandom is when it comes to these kind of movies with wrath and with into darkness is it feels like it's an attack on their safety. I mean, what do you think about that? Uh, 
You know, for me, I try to be really open-minded about change just because I did like Deep Space Nine and it was so different. And I remember at the time it came out, it was like, oh, this is truly egregious that you know they would make this <laughs> show. And it's so terrible. It's so boring. Deep Sleep Nine, you know, we couldn't really see where sci-fi was headed at the time. And it resonated with me because, you know, it was, I saw it early on in my fandom. I, I mean, I went on to love the, the original series and I completely agree that it's 180 degrees different from that. But I guess I think there's room in my heart for all of it. Um, and so I try to view it that way. I think it's tough with Into Darkness because they're trying to both reference our nostalgia and change it. Um, and maybe that's what doesn't work. Maybe it's fine to you know, reinvent what Star Trek means to a certain extent. But it's not okay to be like, hey, this is better than what you liked, not your dad's Star Trek anymore. You know, it's right. like, why do that, right? Like, why not be inclusive with the fandom? And I think a lot of people felt that way, um, even about the next generation. They're like, why not, why not include us? Um, I think there's just sort of a balancing act with it. Um, you know, I don't think Picard never tried to replace Kirk. Um, and they even had like that movie, you know, generations to kind of help people understand the sort of passing of the baton. I think stuff like that can help. Um, but it's always going to be difficult when something you grew up with changes dramatically, you know? <laughs> um, but things change. So. Oh, yeah. Even if change is uncomfortable, you know, maybe sometimes it's necessary. I'm rambling now, but I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, it doesn't shake me to my core. <laughs> I can not like some of the changes in Insurrection, but like I said, when I go back and watch it and have a little bit of distance from that initial disappointment, I'm like, it's not a bad film. Like, it's not bad. So, yeah, it's not what I wanted, but okay. I mean, can I handle that? I think I can. Um, and so I hope that there is a fourth one. Um, sure. I would like to see more. If there went on to be six of these, I would be happy with that. Because I'm going to keep watching them, even if they're not yeah. exactly what I wanted them to be. I got I got to say, you know, I, I've, I have not liked Into Darkness. I think I've said that enough tonight. <laughs> um, We're clear on your stance on Into Darkness now. <laughs> but but here, I, I want to redeem that a little bit, too. Like... I don't hate it. I do not hate Into Darkness. Um, my my brother-in-law um, came over, I want to say it was like early 2020. Or, yeah, early 2020. It was like pre-COVID, I want to say. Um, and, it, it, I mean, it had to have been. Um, and he, he had sent me a he sent me a text message before um, showing me a picture of like his you know double feature Star Trek JJ like JJ Trek DVD and I'm like dude what are you doing get in your car come over we'll watch it together so like half hour later he's over here and we're marathoning all the JJ Trek um, stuff and I gotta say there's something about watching someone watch a film that you don't like that make that that somehow motivates you 
um, it's, it's like almost transformational in in create in, in developing more of an appreciation for a film. And oh, 100 percent. I mean, it's it's like when sometimes guests have picked a movie that either I'm not familiar with or I even kind of dismissed initially. And then they pick it as their favorite and then I watch it trying to see it through their eyes and and then I hear them explain why they liked it and it has changed my mind about a few movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, on some level, every single one, <laughs> every single time. Um, so I totally agree with that. So um, I, I don't even think my brother-in-law listens to it, to this podcast, but um, if you do, Chris, thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, well, I, I think we've, we've talked this stuff to death. I hope this wasn't like just a trash fest. That was not the intent. I wasn't trying to bait and switch you or, or anyone with this. Um, it, it's, it's someone's favorite and, and I'm glad that, the, that this is someone's favorite. Um, uh, if it gets you into Star Trek, if, if this movie gets you watching other Star Trek, kind of like it did for me, so to speak, then I'm I'm very happy with that. Like I think that's that's a fantastic thing to um, to experience uh, within I the th- darkness. Yeah, I think the biggest positive of this movie is that there's a lot of character growth for Kirk himself um, as a character in this film, mm-hmm. and I think that stuff works well right. uh, with Pike and Pike's death, and you know, questioning him about. You know, he's like, well, they all could have died. Well, they didn't. And he's like, well, that's not good enough. And for him to really consider that and to have to face real consequences because this whole, his career so far has been like, jump first, you know, ask questions later, um, or shoot first, ask questions later, jump first, look after, I don't know, whatever you want to say that. Right. And he learns that there's a real cost when you do that. I think that's a good character growth moment for him because under a modern lens, I think the whole like hotshot thing has kind of been phased out. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. we recognize character flaws and characters like that. Um, and it makes it more human to for him to face that. Um, and I like that part of the movie. Um, there's a lot of stuff I liked in this movie, actually, but there's just some stuff that I didn't. Yeah, the the... The way that the, everything starts, um, like the, the, the setup um, and kind of like, you know, kicking the can some more down the road, um, the, the, the interactions are, are brilliant. Um, it, it's, 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 it's a good flick. Um, it, it, it is good. It's, it's not horrible. And, um, and I, I completely agree that the character development that we see um, from a continuity perspective with this, you know, alternate timeline, I think, I think, you know, as much crap as, as people might give J.J. Abrams and the writers, I think this is, this is a win for them. Um, and, and that's okay if people disagree, but yeah, overall, overall good, um, overall a good movie. And, um, I think that the, the 7.7, uh, whether you you give it a seven seven, a seven five, or an eight, or whatever, I think that's I think that's a pretty fair and, and accurate assessment in my book for for rating this film. Yeah, I agree. Solid seven. Cool. Well, um, 
I mean, before we, we leave here, uh, you know, um, and, and wrap things up and zip around the cosmos some more, um, tell, tell the people out in listener land maybe um, a little bit about your show and how they can connect with you and, and learn more about you and your show. Oh, sure. Uh, so I run a podcast called I Love That Movie, and each week we have a guest and we talk about a movie that they love, and that's it. <laughs> it's not a review it's not like unbiased breakdown of a movie it's just two people chatting so you'll feel like you're in the room with us just hanging out that's the vibe and you can listen to that pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts nice nice yeah um i was on it before and um, yeah had had a fantastic time chatting yeah, with you fun. and uh, my buddy eric um showed up too and talked uh, was it vampire with you yes yes vampire that was a fun episode yeah for, I'd uh, never around. seen that, so that was that was a great episode. I'd never heard of it, apart from a video game that's out right now called Vampire. But... When I tried to look up the movie, it suggested that game a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for um, for coming out and hanging out with me. Um, I still have yet to watch the um, the the episode that we were talking about last time with the um, it was like an anime. Um, it reminded me of, of Haunted Mansion. Anyways, I think you know what I'm talking about. Like the Full Metal Rose or something like that. Uh, Full Metal Alchemist, maybe? No, no, no it wasn't Full Metal Alchemist. It was something Rose, I want to say. Oh, anyway. Magnetic Rose. Magnetic yeah. Rose, there we go. Yeah, no problem. Anyway. Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of content out there to watch. <laughs> I'll get to it eventually. Um, anyway, uh, all of y'all in Listener Land, what would y'all think? Uh, what do y'all think of uh, Wrath of Khan and Into Darkness? Um is one of them your favorite? Um, is Into Darkness your favorite? Uh, we would love to hear more about um, your thoughts, your opinions about this particular um, episode that Lisa and I have kind of talked through and kind of explored together. Um, so make sure that you um, that you check us um, that you you know check us out on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at TRTV Pod. Um, you can also. Um, interact with us, send us a note, send us your thoughts, things of that nature, um, via email. Uh, make sure you enter in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute timeline, and your comments might be, may, blah, 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 might be used on a future episode of the podcast. Words are hard today, apparently. And uh, finally, if you do want to send us a note, like you know, where a super secret ship is hiding in space. That's cool. Um, you can uh, send us a note to uh, the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And as we leave here today, may you always remember to boldly go and make it so. <laughs>